Hello, everybody. Uh, good evening and welcome uh, from uh, whenever, wherever you may be watching, listening. This is The Yard Sign, uh, the most conservative, diverse conservative political podcast in politics. Uh, and uh, as I also like to say, the um, what what's the original? Uh, man, it's, I feel like it's been like like a month and it was only like two weeks. If my, oh, okay, that works. <laughs> if, um, I know it's been a while. It's been seven days, guys. The most diverse conservative political podcast in politics and... I thought it was the most, the most important irrelevant podcast. The most important irrelevant podcast. There we go. There we okay. Go. Now I'm going to shut you back off. Uh, Johnny Toys with you. Thank you so much for joining me. As Why? you see there, Anibal David Cabrera joining me as always. And we'll introduce our special guest here in a moment. Uh, let's run through now today's topics. Anibal monitoring the comments. So please keep those coming as always. And we'll integrate them into the show uh, later on. Uh, don't forget, if you miss any part of tonight's show, you can catch the video version on Facebook and YouTube, and you can also catch the audio version on pretty much any podcast platform out there in the Webiverse. Um, uh, but of course, uh, don't forget to check the uh, tech overlords at Google, Apple, Spotify, Audible, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, and uh, Samsung podcast platforms. All right. Does that so well? <laughs> oh, it's a compliment? Here, I'll turn it back on. He does that poorly. Oh. <laughs> All right. So for tonight's uh, a little bit of a rehash uh, for tonight's topics, we've got uh, Biden crashing. Only this time it's uh, not in a bicycle. Uh, it's his poll numbers uh, that continue to do so. And so we'll uh, pick that apart. Also, we're going to do the Biden rifle ban. Uh, and, uh, you know, how far is this uh, going to go? And unfortunately, uh, as uh, you might expect, some Republicans played right into it. And so uh, we'll pick apart against who those individuals may have been. Um our special guest brings a uh, certain type of expertise on the environmental side. So for those of you here in Florida, who, and especially in Tampa Bay, you may remember Piney Point and uh, the leak of chemicals and uh, other things uh, from that uh, um, company and that, that facility. Uh, we're going to give an update on that uh, and also just talk about um, uh, Florida's environment and the politics behind it. And Elon unfollows Twitter. Um, is the deal dead? Probably not, but uh, we'll pick apart what's happening with Elon Musk uh, taking over Twitter as the deal for now, at least according to Elon, seems dead in the water. Um, all right, let's go over to the table on the far right, the far right, Anibal David Cabrera. Hello, sir. Hello. Hello. It's us. Uh, <laughs> we apologize for unprofessionalism <laughs> on this podcast. Um, Ah, okay, producer. How are you? Uh, I didn't see any additional comments. I'm doing good. It's it's been a good uh, seven days without having to worry about a podcast. I know. We actually <laughs> took the Fourth of July off. Amazingly, we told no one. We told no one. <laughs> of course, it's a guy. And uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's better to just you know, just go quietly into the night. And uh, no, we are supposed to fight, <laughs> fight the dying of the light. Yeah. Well, we didn't take Memorial Day off, so Extra we points figured we'd tell uh, me what, where that poem comes from. Um, okay, in the comments, you'll get extra point in the comments if you if you say which poem that's from. And Fourth uh, of July, uh, good for everybody. Yes. I had a good time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Did cool. you have a good time. Before Mine was we introduce you, by the way. <laughs> no, I know. So uh, joining me here, and I, I meant to ask you before we uh, got on, is, is the pronunciation of your last name, but it's Dr. Leo. 
Jenko. Oh, okay. Uh, so Dr. Leo Jenko. Yeah. Uh, reminds me of my jeans in middle school. And uh, <laughs> so Dr. Leo joins us as a friend of Enables. Uh, you are an assistant professor at the University of Tampa. Yes. Uh, and a green criminologist, which again, I wanted to wait until the show started <laughs> to ask you what that meant because uh, I'm sure some of the Republican viewers um, of this program are probably ready to pounce. What? <laughs> so what is a green criminologist? A green criminologist is someone who just studies crimes against the environment. That's and the Riddler. All, and the Riddler, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, but that, that's basically the definition. Uh, there's a ton of so branches. crimes against the environment. Yes. Okay. There's a ton of branches of uh, green criminology, like conservative criminology that deals with illegal wildlife trade and hunting and all that. You have the ones that look at water pollution. You have ones that looks at land destruction. Uh, there's there's a whole bunch like academia is about trying to make a name for yourself so people love to make their own sub categories sure, right so there's the niches, a plethora the riches are in the niches yes yeah. yes 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 exactly um yeah. but yes but i specifically specialize in macro analyses of how the the organization of our economy affects the distribution of our behavior in society Oh, wow. Yeah. And because you were saying the professor that you uh, currently work under is what type of criminologist? He's a Marxist criminologist. Marxist is what he started out as. Yeah. Right. So he basically just looks to throw Marxists in jail, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. He, he takes uh, the Marxist perspective. That'd be of, too easy. Yeah. He, he, he looks at the economy through a Marxist lens. Right, right, right. Um, and he looks at how the economy mixed with politics mm -hmm. play into how we define and enforce uh, against the people. Mm -hmm. uh, and so for him, he did, and he doesn't do micro studies. Like he doesn't believe in micro studies. It's all macro. Oh. Um, so he looks at the trends. Like if, okay. for instance, if you look at a capitalist country and like looking at how one capitalist country has a larger gap in classes versus one that doesn't. Mm. What? Why is the crime different there? And is it because of the politics, the deals made? Um, for instance, one of the uh, books he recommended me to read while I was under him was The Fiscal Crisis by James O'Connor. And that, even though he's a socialist scholar, he's against unions because they make bad deals. Oh, wow. They are not good and healthy for the relationship between the economy and government. Right. Um, and so that's how he has his perspective on crime, that a lot of it is uh, dictated by how the economy and politics play out and what behaviors are not accepted in society. So we were talking before the show, uh, of course, about some of the kind of things happening here in the state environmentally. And so when it comes to, let's say, green criminology, would you say basically what we did during the Eisenhower administration, like to the Everglades? I mean, would that have been considered maybe by today's standards, you know, uh, a, a, a criminal act on the environment or on, let's say, the Everglades? Uh, I do not like reflecting on the past. Uh, I don't, I don't. Yeah. Um, it's all right, that's are fair. You, are you in politics? <laughs> yeah, I am in politics. Um, that's all we do is bring up the past. It's, for, for me, it's, we can look we can look back in the past and apply our own standards today and be like, okay, yeah, that that, that can be bad. Right. But what is that going to do? Like, sure, it doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't. It, yeah. And I tell my students in class all the time at the university I teach is, there's a point where you can use history to help you inform today's decisions, but using our own decisions today doesn't help 
to judge the past. Because, well, that's the worst part of the cancel culture. Yeah. Is that they're using stuff from 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, to cancel people. And it's like, why? Yeah, exactly. It's, it exactly. was like, it was a different universe. It was a different world back then. There's different contexts. Like, yeah. there was some things that Social people norms understood. And, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, don't, I can go on a whole tangent. Sure. On Sorry, the, that's what we're all about. This, on the show. this is the show to go on yeah. tangents. <laughs> you are going to be in a world of pain. As the fact, we're, we're going to read. We're going to retitle the show on tangent. <laughs> that's just going to be the new name of the show. Um, but yes, yes. So it's it's very interesting to be a green criminologist because we're not necessarily trying to promote uh, an idea that you need to be this sort of political figure or this you need to be on this political spectrum it's what's happening to the environment in our current state yeah and that's where we leave it at um now th there may be some few green criminologists that would push for a political agenda but most of us are just looking at the current state and where the environment is okay yeah and then obviously trying to make the the laws in the state work towards preserving and and, and protecting the environment yes okay um it's it's very fascinating because uh there was a study by melissa gerald and joshua ozimi about the epa mm -hmm. and they find that the epa doesn't really change its behavior much from uh presidencies right. it's very consistent um and so like i would say like maybe mo many federal agencies yeah yeah i mean because again they're they're so large now that it would be nearly impossible for them to kind of change course, you know, every four years. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and so we just take that stance, like, look, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you on. This is going on now. In your your in your estimation, because I think this does touch on a lot of what's happening right now, especially when we're talking about gas prices, right? Oh yeah. Okay. And so and so, uh, which should have been one of our topics. Um, in addition to the whole world is going nuts right now what is it sri lanka oh, it, argentina yeah. so sri lanka um, just lost its government argentina is plunging in the that the they're about will not be able they're to. also about to, about to toss out their prime minister yeah mm -hmm. uh, the case they cannot um the gas prices are going astronomical i believe thailand is starting to, to wobble I, I, there's about 15 or 16 countries around the world that are their governments are yeah. about to fall they're making Tunisia, January sixth look like a you know yeah. like a practice run. Yeah, is about to come apart again. I, there's a, there's well, a they literally set problems. fire to the to the prime minister's castle or whatever. Also, they were in the swimming pool. I saw that video. <laughs> yes, and they're having fun. <laughs> they're having, they're they're having a pool party. Look at this. Nobody this. with nobody with uh, antlers. No, no not buffalo not, man. Not, not no yet. buffalo man. <laughs> we'll find it eventually. <laughs> Oh, Do they man. have buffaloes in Sri Lanka? Well, they had to know, but they had that guy. Remember in the uh, no, no, but that's because we have buffaloes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no. Do, do they? Have I, I do find. I think it, those are native just to North America. Yeah, I do find it interesting how the news coverage is completely different for our January sixth versus their oh, oh, yeah. their insurrections. Right. I'm like, yes, it's an insurrection. Technically, that's an insurrection. That's a real insurrection. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> like they're literally setting the building on fire. Yeah, it it's, it baffles me. I, I hate legacy media because they just they just skew everything yeah they never they never compare apples to apples they always want to do apples to oranges and it pisses me off so so let me bring it back to where i was headed which was you know be, be the gas prices being the big thing mm -hmm. and you probably follow this or at least I'm, I'm assuming closer than most yeah and you just talked about the epa and and whether you know whether or not it changes much from administration to administration were there enough changes from the Trump administration to the Biden administration 
to to be a large cause for the increase in pricing. Hmm. Because their claim is the Democrats will tell you, oh, no, well, I mean, they, you know, we've had more licenses than ever and we've had more opportunities for them to to drill than ever. Like they're trying to make it seem like it's open season on oil drilling. Well, you know, but on the other hand, we know that their intent, because that's what they ran on, was to make it nearly impossible Mm -hmm. for oil companies to drill for oil. They killed off the pipeline projects. Um, you know, and so, so, you know, again, does it, where does the EPA fall into that? And, and, and again, or is, is that drastic enough, even though I'm sure from everything the EPA does, it's probably, you know, less than it's probably a single digit percentage of what their responsibilities are. Yeah. I'm trying to, cause to me right now, it reminds me of what happened early Obama years. And I can't remember what he did, um, that affected the gas prices. But wasn't it also a pipeline deal? I, I want to believe so. I think it was Keystone again that we're having that issue that drove prices up once again because of it. Also, it was um, some clean energy bill that he was trying to pass. I cannot remember. But yes, in his administration, they did cause something to increase gas prices. Yeah. And so I, I, I compare it to that is that's what it reminds me of is the horrible handling of the idea. Like if you're going to shut down the Keystone pipeline where are you going to compensate for that oil? And mm-hmm. I, and that's usually what happens with Democrats and their policies. They cut something, but they're not like, okay, we're not going to compensate for this. Well, they never think of the repercussions. Yes. You know, and, and I say this, and I mean it genuinely. I mean, you know, that the Democrats in general, for the most part, with the exception of maybe abortion, um, you know, they're, 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 they, they mean well. But they never think through their policies enough to to truly understand and think through the repercussions of what they're trying to accomplish. It's uh, I listen to a lot of conservative podcasters and they always mention it. And I believe it's true. They are so disconnected from the lives of normal people. Normal people can't live on electrical electric vehicles. Right. We just can't look at rural America. Hey, there's not enough of them. Yes. B, they're not they're incredibly expensive. Uh, the infrastructure to support that. And I realized someone told me if a battery went bad in a Tesla is $22,000. Oh, yes. Like, I don't have that money. Oh, the rest of it's all just fiberglass and, you know, and and plastic. (laughs) I mean, it really is. I mean, you know, again, there's no engine. There's no, I mean, it's, you know, so if you lose, really, where there was an engine, you're basically paying for a power plant, you know, which is just the bottom of the vehicle. Yes. You know, and so you're basically having to replace the entire bottom of the vehicle. It's the, uh, I forget, it was a while ago. It was actually when I started, um, when the Overton window started moving more left and I became, I just started moving more right, where there was a reading, it was a news article uh, in LA Times. I'm fuzzy, but they were talking about how it's, economically and environmentally better to stick with the car, your old car that you have until it's dead than buying a new car. Because what that does is it ramps up production and demand, which you're creating more incentive to take resources out and to use more oil. Yeah. So and a car that could still run, yes. you know, maybe for another five, 10 years, it now ends up in a, in a landfill somewhere. Correct. There's, and I think uh, I, I'm a big country guy. So and they are so innovative with their machines out there to make sure that they last long to get their money's worth. And it, out, it outstands me that in the urban cities, 
it's constantly, well, uh, it's no longer working the way I want it. I'll just go get a new one. Right. It's like, no, put, put some work into it, yeah. save some money, save some stuff for the environment. And I, it, well, as people do, especially now, you know, for example, this TV here right behind us, you know, people think that the minute that there's something wrong with it, well, I'll just get another one. Yeah. You know, when again, like if you actually did your diligence and in, in the research, there's still TV repairmen out there and they'll fix it for 50 bucks Yep. or a hundred bucks. But guess what? It's not $300 or $500 to replace it. Correct. Um, I, I think, uh, a very common thing that people can apply this to is our computers, like laptops. Mm -hmm. We're like, well, it's not as fast. I'm like, just replace the battery. That that solves a lot of problems. No, yeah, right. it does. Yeah. Um, and so, like with the with the gas situation that's going on, because I know we just went on a completely <laughs> different tangent, but like it's it's the idea of like sustainability living uh, versus so spending. Well, and again, as as someone who you know. Uh, uh, represents themselves as an environmentalist. I mean, you know the 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 actual environmental impact of creating these lithium batteries. Oh, they're so <laughs> bad, man! You know, that all these cars are running on. Um, and, and and truth be told, again, like I I want a Tesla. I mean, that's yeah. no secret. I mean, it's I have an RSVP for the truck. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 on my wish list, right? I'm not trying to trick anybody into thinking I'm some environmentalist for wanting a Tesla. Like I know it's not great for the environment, you know, but again, it's a, it's about a balance, mm -hmm. you know, because again, you know, like liberals are wanting to push wind and push solar and push and I'm not, and, and I'm all for it. But again, we got to understand that there's also a lot of cons to a lot of that, uh, a lot of that renewable energy as well. The amount yes. of land that it takes for wind turbine energy, um, and and the damage is doing to birds. The man, the, the again, the amount of land that has to be developed. Yeah, but that's mm -hmm. not even the the crux of the scam. You cannot transition your economy into a green economy. We see <laughs> what happened to Germany. Oh, Germany is yeah. dealing with that right now. Yeah. When they tried to transfer, what was it? They were going to spend two a quarter of a trillion dollars to convert their entire uh, system into green energy. And now what they're having to do is completely reverse that because they cannot. It doesn't function that way. And Germany's economic economy is about to collapse because of it because they're going to start doing rolling blackouts because russia just cut the nat nat gas supplies and well, it's like what kind of for a, a for a people that are so efficient who would have thought this was going to happen that they could not become energy independent well leo i mean you know fact or fiction here because what you know what i've heard is that modern nuclear technology mm -hmm. would technically be the most environmentally friendly option that's out there right now in producing energy yes uh there is some the skeptic by, the byproduct you're talking yeah the byproducts and the construction of the facility is where most people are concerned uh the more people who actually are going to think about this not necessarily oh uh it will help the environment or it's cost efficient the people who really think about okay we're going to produce nuclear energy what are how are we going to get there and what's the what's going to come out of it uh i was reading an article uh, in Pakistan, because they, they do this in Pakistan as well as what we do with nuclear waste. Do you know what they do with nuclear waste from the power plants? I'm assuming they put it into a mountain. Yeah. So they bury right. it 500 feet below ground. Right. But they found that this uranium can travel through land. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's not contained. No. They're just literally just dumping it into the... Now, now the Pakistani 
uh, efficiency when it comes to the proper disposing of the nuclear waste, I will be questioned to see how it is. Well, yeah, <laughs> because yes. France, uh, France has. I thought, like in my way. mind, it's like it's it's in some contained some container. Well, and well, then this you container remember the name of, the, of the mountain here in uh, the U.S. No, 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 no. I but can't it, remember either. But there I, is a facility here in yeah. the United States that they all the nuclear waste is actually sent there, and then they put it they, right. They, they put it deep in the earth, and it's very um, environmentally friendly. So I haven't heard of a leak in there, but oh, I, well, I'm not surprised at all that there's something happening in Pakistan. There's, um, I think, and a lot of I know a lot of uh, people are concerned where they look at the businesses. Like if we really have nuclear energy in free market, well, there are some people who are gonna cut corners cause you wanna cut uh, costs to make profit. Right. Uh, okay, well with nuclear power plants, you don't wanna do that. Oh, of course. So what are we going to do to prevent that? Well, and interestingly enough, again, not to go on a different tangent, but but one of the things in the fight with Disney that, Ron, yes. that Governor DeSantis had was that he wanted to strip them of their ability because I guess it gave the, it, the way that the original agreement was worded, it actually gave them the option to well, as they have produced their own energy, mm -hmm. you know, which they they've done a lot. They've now done a lot of solar fields, and they're doing a lot of you know stuff with renewables. But it didn't exclude them from building their own nuclear power plant, <laughs> you know, on Disney property. And I think that was one of the things that I guess DeSantis wanted to make sure that the legislature had some say on, you know, rather than Disney just being like, oh, we're going to build our own nuclear power plant. Well, at the time of that of them probably signing that pact, the the idea of someone creating their own nuclear fusion uh, facility on their private land was not something that could be um, done physically in the 19, yeah. what, 1930s. Yeah, but the modern plant is much smaller from what I understand. Correct. Yes. So, and, and it is actually far more efficient. So it doesn't even produce as much nuclear waste no. as the, you know, as the ones we remember from the seventies and whatnot. So were. Joe Wicker, who is our, who is another one of our uh, tree, one regular of the guests. Yeah. Yes. Here. He says that the U S Navy has been an expert in nuclear power for 50 years. Sailors and submariners uh, sleep next to, next door to nuclear reactors we can handle nuclear power and we should be using it uh, so he also says that the best environmentalist is a, uh, someone that was born on a farm yes i, I would i would 100 agree with that yeah uh and th there's a lot of literature out there that says people who work with nature or who live outside the city know nature like right. it's not that they just knowledge or like education know about nature they are a part of it they sure. experience they, they are, understand it they participate yeah. within how nature operates mm -hmm. and that is a huge thing when it comes to environmental policy like you should go to them first because they're seeing a lot of the destruction to the land that we are doing yep and farmers hunters they're they're the people that you should go to first right yes yeah, because they've seen it, right? You know, they've seen it, you know, in, in, in its best and in its worst, and, mm -hmm. you know. And so, yeah, I agree with that. My favorite preaching at church was um, the analogy of someone skinning a deer and that being good for the environment and biblical was one of by far the best <laughs> sermon I have heard in quite some time. Now, did people walk out of the church? Yes. But you know what? I... I Thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh my gosh. Now, I, I will say this about nuclear power plants that I don't think people think of. And it brought me up, and I've, I'm going to talk about it in my own uh, talks of it later on in the year. But you, in Ukraine, with the war going on, Russia targeted one of their nuclear power plants. Yes. And I'm going, <laughs> okay, if we start building nuclear power plants and that will become our central focus of energy, 
what does that mean for war? Sure. Because uh, that's a huge target that you can blow up and you're like, well, you can't live there. There goes their power. That's a lot of radiation. Well, right. the reason why um, those particular um, shells, it's so close to a, a, a nuclear reactor is because they were stupid bombs. So you're literally <laughs> okay. just aiming right. and just projecting where it's going to hit. There's no there's no strategic strategy about them um, hitting those facilities. Because I think Russia would also understand that obviously it doesn't do them any good to to truly nuke you know that you know the that that land that they're trying to take over yeah you know i mean it's like you know because again then it becomes useless to them well the discussion is if um what kind of leader is is the vladimir putin and if he's someone that's trying to figure out his legacy which i think is what he's trying to do when it comes to reclaiming land that was occupied by the russians back in the day during the ussr Hitting a nuclear weapon is not going to do it. You will destroy your legacy if you were to fire a nuclear weapon somewhere in the continental Europe. So I think that's something I don't think it's even on the map when it comes to what's going to happen with Ukraine. But I don't I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't the first of many um, entries into Europe that are better word penetrations into Europe that Ukraine, <laughs> that uh, President Putin is going to attempt. All right, so let's get into uh, our topic. Uh, Nebel, David Cabrera, Dr. Leo Jinko uh, joining us on today's show, a first-time guest with us. Uh, Perfectly so used word. It was a good enough <laughs> word. Biden all over the news uh, following the 4th of July holiday, as he should be, uh, given the state of the country and, uh, and again, given uh, the collapse, the global collapse that's happening as other uh, d uh, democracies and republics uh, seem to be uh, – under under stress under uh, under a test of their own um we have just horrible polling numbers coming out uh from uh uh who's uh, carrying the poll anymore so we have uh two polls that are coming out right now for the president and one of them were conducted by the new york times and what was the other company that did the is the harvard one no no sierra college sierra college got it that did them so for this one a whopping 64 percent of, of democratic prime uh, primary voters don't want the president as their prime as the presidential nominee in 2024 including 94 percent of those aged 18 to 29 according to the brand new poll uh, it is the latest and brutal survey from from uh, for biden which also shows a 33 percent of the, all voters approving of his job only 33 percent that's insane 58 percent of voters say they have an unfavorable um, view on the president and 77 percent of the country believe we're going in the wrong direction let me tell you, I saw footage from President Trump's rally um, over the weekend in Alaska. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. It might as well have been 2016 all over again. The kickoff. Oh, it was unreal. It was miles of way of, of lines. It was it was a packed stadium. When you it said was, lines, I automatically thought cocaine. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Just because I'm Colombian doesn't mean that that's all that, you know, that, those are the only lines. That's not even the reason. It's because I read an article about Hunter Biden earlier. Oh, well, that's another Biden that's been all over <laughs> oh, the news. Oh, gosh. He's and, a hoot. Uh, him and his, his, He's a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> If that's the way you want to characterize him arguing with a hooker over how much crack he's got. So I was going to say that's the Texan Protestant version. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. That's that's the equivalent of bless your heart. Yes, yes. 
<laughs> well, we were talking about old time sayings yes. that uh, I was using bright eyed and bushy tailed yeah. and, uh, and some other sayings. So like any nice way to say uh, he's a he's he's a fuck up. It's so true. Do. It's so true. OK, I'm sorry. Bleep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so do you have a button? For it's that? crazy because looking back at, you know, looking at that footage from that rally. And again, we've been pretty open about, you know, whether or not we think you should run and that sort of thing. And, what? and really, this isn't about that. But it it's crazy to me that here we are six years later, you know, from the start of <laughs> yeah. his original campaign and that he still just draws them in. I mean, he still has that that gravitational pull and and that if he runs in 24, he could pull it off again. Really? I, I don't think he would. Oh, I think he will beat Biden Harris by a landslide for see, sure. See, this is the question. If Biden is on the ticket as the Democrat, do you think Trump will join? Yeah. I think so. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. think Trump will go for it again. Absolutely. He sees how bad now we have history to go against it. But if it's not Trump, I mean, if it's not Biden, who who could possibly be the Democrat next? The nominee? problem is, is that if it's not Biden, then you open up the the opportunity for voters to be like anybody but Trump. Yes. You know, and the problem is, is that they hate Biden. They obviously realize he's incompetent um, and they hate Trump, too. But things were they have to admit things were much better under Trump. And so, you know, again, it's even it's, a pandemic. It's a, it was still better under sure. Trump. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of for the person who doesn't like Trump, it's a lose lose option, right? But they're not going to reelect Biden, not with these numbers not right with these now. Numbers. No, no. Um, and so, I think unless the Democrat Party puts somebody else up, let's say a Newsom, for instance. No. No, you know, God, no, I'm not saying, you know, and, and yeah, I don't think he's the, you know, I don't think he, he's going to be the golden child in this situation, but I think anybody else, anybody else, but Biden in that Democrat on that democratic ticket opens up the opportunity for people to vote for anyone else other than Trump. Yeah. It's, uh, it was a podcast earlier in the year, a New York times, it was opinion article in the New York times. And it said the only best option for the Democrats is Hillary Clinton. The, the only best please, option is Hillary please, Clinton. Please let it happen. Let the lizard people come back oh. and arise. Because if she's not a part of the Illuminati, then there's then there's no such thing as Illuminati. But if you look yeah, at the seriously. previous primaries for the Democrats, all of them are tainted now. Oh, yeah. All of them. Oh, yeah. So it's like their best bet is Hillary. And it's like, that's not a, that's not a good option either. Yeah. So, right, because now that you know, like Buttigieg is attached to the current administration. Oh, yeah, Kamala attached to the current administration. Um, really, who do they have on the bench? You know that you know Bernie's going to run again. No, Bernie says he's not running again. Finally, I don't. Bernie buy says it. that he's not going to run again. He's too I, old. This would be the opportunity he's, for but him he's to older. run. He's even older than Biden. No, I know, but this would be the opportunity for him to run. And what? Uh, die yeah. twelve <laughs> days into the into because it? And because worst VP because this is this is essentially Kamala Harris. No, God, no. Is <laughs> is Kamala Harris is still the VP no matter who <laughs> runs for Democrat? <laughs> if there was, if there was the emergence of a third party with again ridiculous funding and the right candidate, this would be the op the best opportunity they would have. Mm -hmm. because there is there is such a discontentment with both sides of the of the aisle well the, uh, Ala yeah. the alaska rally um brought in six thousand people six thousand for alaska for alaska 
That's Damn. in Anchorage. I think Anchorage has 6,000 people. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I no. I mean, it, 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 that I sounds, sounds like small Texas football. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. the whole town shut down. Everybody's at the rally. Oh, my gosh. You know. um, so, yeah, it's and there's standing room only. I'm looking at pictures. Sir, and it's literally it was nuts. Like, that's I, a, that's the problem. Benny, I think it was Benny Johnson's video that or that that kind of found the video and you know and he kind of put all these these pieces together and it was just again it was the lines and the lines and the lines and the lines and all of a sudden the rally is just packed to the gills and then of course he's dropping all kinds of hints and about whether or not he's going to run. And we've been to rally. Have you attended a Trump rally before? No, I tried when he came to USF for the Sundome before yes. it became Yingling Center. Yeah, and I couldn't get in. So yeah. I will say this, uh, John. Did you go to the one at the at the fairgrounds? No. So I went. So I I, I arrived late to find parking and everything else. And there's a huge line, and me, I'm like, I'm not waiting in the line. So I just literally just walk all the way to the front, like if I knew someone. And of course, I knew everyone at the front. So I sat down, started working a little bit, everything else, and then like ten minutes later, I walked inside. Um, and then I found myself somewhere in the back of the stage. But I have never had so much fun at a rally in my life and i've been to a lot of like crusades and like things like that for the church and i'm like this was a lot of fun it was so much fun and this black and white hispanics and like even uh, like really prominent leaders in the community i'm like this is insane like this was in 16. so i'm like he's definitely winning like i couldn't see anything else out of it when he ran the second time around it's COVID all around so i think that's caused so many problems but if we don't have that problem now i don't see where he doesn't win in this this election cycle now there's no you don't have the excuses of covid and like pennsylvania and arizona messing with their election laws like you don't have that anymore right so i don't i don't know i can't see don't get me wrong i would love our governor to become president but he first needs to become governor a second time well what, he will be he i guess because his, will his, his second again. term will be up in 2024 when oh, his no his second term will be up in 26. oh 26. yes that's oh. why he would have to end his term halfway through mm. what's also going to be interesting is is that you're going to have you're going to start to see your old your your younger millennials slash gen zers come into the electorate and i and, don't like that and the well so the social dynamic of this it is, doesn't matter they're not going to vote like these people don't vote they no don't do they anything. typically don't but what i'm saying is is that down the road what what, what you're going to see is because the problem right now that we have is that they're the candidates are too old Yes. Right. And and I think the the dynamic that we're going to see shift is actually a huge shift. And we saw a little bit of that with like Andrew Yang, you know, and you saw your your Beto and you saw, you know, some of these younger kind of candidates kind of come forward. I think we're going to start skewing towards like heavily towards younger candidates because you got to understand for those Gen Z's especially and, and younger millennials, they don't view age as as a as a plus they don't they don't view age and experience as a selling point no, i don't no. disagree with anything you're saying but i also understand and oh and i'm not saying it's going to be this cycle none of them vote it's not going to be this cycle maybe so, not even next so cycle we talked but it this, is coming but we talked about this earlier the reason why you have such old people running for these positions again is because the dominant circle of people that are voting are over 65 years old yeah. so of course uh, you want a leader yeah. in that but age we're bracket. seeing if you look at what's happening at the local level if you look at what's happened, the people who are getting elected in in the lower, you know, in the in the basic the training grounds, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, of of who's going to be running the country in ten to twenty years, 
They're oh, young. It's young. It is young. It's yes. young. A lot of young people are a getting lot of young elected. Republicans. Uh, I know um, you don't watch TikTok, but you do. So there, there's, <laughs> there's um, a whole. I don't our, believe in supporting the Chinese government. The, during yeah. during uh, the Oracle. pandemic, I went down the rabbit hole of um, the the political side of TikTok, yeah. and there were constant TikToks of. Um, why I'm a Republican of young women, and they just flash all the young, hot Republican <laughs> representatives, and I'm like, okay, yeah, fair. Like, what, what do you know? What about the Democrats? <laughs> Not really there. Well, and, and you do is, and, and on the other side, you see a lot of young Republican women mm -hmm. running for office and taking leadership roles in the party, like in Texas. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 the 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 also the. Uh, demographics ethnically are changing, mm -hmm. as we all know. But again, if, you know, the Democrats want to deny it. Um, but especially when it can, COVID, it, I'm telling you, COVID changed a lot of people's political views. Mm -hmm. um, and you saw again, you know, Mexican first generation, second generation Mexican kids basically out there espousing uh, conservative views yes. over the way COVID was handled. Well, again, and you can probably talk about this more. Is that once we can talk about examples of what the left and the right do, but when you get to see what the left does when they have a little bit of power and everyone's like, okay, let's kind of figure what's going on. And then six months later, we're still in the same predicament. And you're like, oh my God, why is Florida? Why is Texas? Why are some of the other states open and flourishing? And I'm in Burbank, California, and I can't even get coffee delivered to my house. So it's, <laughs> I always like to compare the right and left with AOC. The left, the AOC's Green New Deal is like the perfect example of left thinking, where here's the big picture, but they never want to discuss what it will take to get there. Sure. And so when they enact it, they're like- Because they know people aren't ready for it. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. when they enact it, they're like, oh my gosh, everything's on fire. Why isn't anything working? Because you didn't understand the economy, you idiot. <laughs> mm -hmm. You need to understand what's going on. You need to understand how things work before you make a policy. Right. And that's what? all they do. And like, you see that happen in California. And it's like, ugh, when will they learn? And the only yeah. reason why there's not more suffering in California is because it is the largest economy in the country. And you can do a, you have a lot of runway to make mess things up and it not affect really the day-to-day -day lives of people in California, which it is now. It's, yes. it's become such a problem. It's 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 starting to touch people on a day-to-day -day basis. And again, people don't understand how big California is. It's the fifth largest economy in the world. That's how mm -hmm. just California. Right. So that is just ridiculous. But imagine if they weren't. How frightening would California be right now? Oh my god! If it weren't, Ooh. if it weren't for it that would economy, be New Jersey, <laughs> uh, uh, probably, or or uh, they probably would not uh, move down here and ruin our economy. No, because their yeah. property values wouldn't yeah. be as high. <laughs> no, look, hey, thank God for you know for what is it? Um, uh, what's what's the highway? Um, uh, I keep want to say A one A because I'm from Miami. Um, um, I four the Pacific Coast Highway. You know, basically, if it wasn't for the California coastline, oh, okay. thank oh, God yeah. for the California coastline. California, because that's what's keeping a lot of Californians there. California yes. is a beautiful state. You can go. I mean, there's some parts of it where you can go skiing. I went to in LA the, in though. the afternoon and then go to a beach in the, in the later. But on. I went to LA and I was like, yeah, but LA yeah. is LA. You don't it's also LA. commercialized. Yeah, like, it's yeah, it was just like yeah. I didn't you know it was like. Okay, Okay, I recognize that building and this and that, and but it wasn't like, oh wow, this is so beautiful. Like now, get out of LA oh, yeah. and start going up the Pacific Coast Highway, it's and you've got everything the, you north, know, and yeah, like yeah. San Francisco and everything is absolutely beautiful. But for me, California was horrible because the strawberries and the oranges just don't taste the same like here. No, and you're like, they don't have what the is, land. What is going on? This is the water's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Okay, now that we've bashed California so, enough. <laughs> well, and again, what's going to add to Biden's uh, poll numbers continuing to crash is actually our second topic, which is the rifle ban. And so if you, I don't know if you, Nebo, if you have the, the, the specifics kind of pulled up. There are no specifics. But, That's the problem. You know, well, like, the, he just throws things out there. But it's reactionary. Thinking again, this is reactionary legislation. I have better reaction legislation with the um with the comment section of our podcast because people are actually like, noticing what's going on so say what you're gonna say so so i, I just want to <laughs> say just just run by me like as criminologists we have to be involved in sort of hot topics like this because it's in our field so like the idea of gun violence i just want to see what his reasonings are and i'm pretty sure i'll be able to either not even debunk like completely debunk or just be like okay that is completely misconstrued uh, move on. <laughs> like, so like, the, the thing is, and this is why it gets me annoyed with the president. He makes these outlandish like statements and he's like, uh, America is awash in weapons of war. I'm like, what does that even mean? What? Like, I don't you mean, understand. you mean the weapons the cartel brought to us? <laughs> no. no, no, no. The weapons the that we, you sold to oh, the yeah, cartel. Yeah, yeah. That got <laughs> that brought, brought back. back. To the and the ones we left in Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, oh really God. Is. That was so stupid. Uh, that's gonna. That's also gonna affect his poll numbers. People are gonna remember that during election. Oh, you don't think I'm gonna get some kind of mailer that has like a, an <laughs> Afghan child left on a, a tarmac? Well, somewhere? not to you know, not to rewind about twenty minutes, but I mean, <laughs> but this is the other reason that Trump's gonna win. Trump w Trump runs very well on negativity. Yes, Trump feeds on it. Right? Uh, he know he knows how to leverage negativity. And I told Anibal when we when we dissected over and over again the the 2020 election you know and why he lost i i told anibal i go the reason he lost was because he ran on negativity he ran on he, he didn't run on any of his accomplishments which were so if, many i know if you go back and you watch the campaign ads the rallies all that stuff all he did was focus on the negative of the other side yes all he did was attack he never ran on his accomplishments had he run on everything he had accomplished despite covid i think he he could have won a re-election did, did you know he um I, I gotta watch his RNC again for the presidential run, but I believe someone mentioned that he enacted a federal suicide uh, line. I'm not. I'm not surprised. Yeah. He did a lot of really great stuff that nobody ever heard about because, again, he couldn't put his phone down. You know, he couldn't stop sending out tweets. And so the problem was, again, so the media equally thrives on negativity over positivity. You know, it's like, hmm, should we write about the suicide helpline or should we write about the awful thing he just said about AOC? Yeah. You know, like that sort of thing. And so now with him what's coming, the more salacious, right? So with him now coming on board to run for 2022, 24, Trump has a much better, again, do I think he's going to go back to negativity? Yes, because that's what he loves doing. Because he gets to bash the other person. He will make some kind of sign about Biden, and then we'll all laugh about it. So it makes it an easier target because now we have four years to run where, where Biden has failed. But some of the other things that he talked about was, I am determined to ban these weapons again. The high-capacity magazines that hold 30 rounds or more and uh, let mass shooters fire hundreds of bullets into a matter of minutes. I'm not going to stop until we do this. So I asked a question into the group chat about <laughs> what is your definition of an assault weapon? Oh. <laughs> oh, Which is basically me throwing a grenade in the comment section, just yeah. walking away. Oh right. man, I hate that term <laughs> with a passion. Because it's not a real thing. It's well, not. Right, exactly. Anything can be an assault weapon. Uh, have you seen, I remember the first, uh, first argument about uh, weapons. And I saw a TikTok video of someone saying, that's a rifle. 
and then looking at his wife and threw the gun at her. <laughs> now it's an assault rifle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my! That, it's gonna get good. It's it's gonna get good because again, you're focusing on the wrong problem because you should be focusing on the individual and the healthcare situation and mental health illness and, this and is, the fact that this the state that the last one happened, Illinois, has so many red flag laws and they all didn't work. No, nope. that's the thing. So the, you know you got to again go back to you were saying trends, and so with the trend we're seeing are young men. With, with virtually, let's say virtually no record, because they did have, I think both of these guys had some run-ins where like the police was at least kind of sort of looking into them. Yes. Or or had had some sort of encounter with them in the past. And then mommy um, and daddy buy them a weapon anyway. But they have no, right, they have no, well, or they turn 18 and they just buy it themselves and they have no record that's going to, again, you know, flag anybody. And that's the thing, it, it's, it's, it's it, it's almost like coming up with a magic trick. It's like how do you how do you figure out the formula to prevent these guys who have the mental health problems that we're seeing? Because those all you can also see the similarities in in, um, in whether it's their uh, social class, whether it's their family status, whether it's you know you see a lot of patterns, mm -hmm. you know, and and so what is the remedy? to prevent guys like that who, again, have a clean record. So uh, Mr. Fred um, is saying that it's not just a mental health issue, but it's also a cultural issue that we're running into. Yes. Uh, so I can actually... Um, well, and he'd be the right person to make that. Yeah, speak you know. on that. Uh, so we we know in America, uh, and this goes back to 1921, is when we first have the idea of the concentric zone theory. And there we built our cities around a business zone. And then you have the transition zone around it, which is relatively the lower class where they live because it's cheaper land. But because there's less investment there, there's a lot of chaos. But the problem is with that is because there's chaos, there's also gonna be crime and there's gonna be violence because you're gonna have former gangs, you gotta protect yourself, so on and so forth. People are in hypervigilance. But over the years, especially with social media and all that, that has transcended those borders. Yeah. And the and people think that, oh, well, we don't we don't the guns create this violence or incentivize them. No, it's not. It's it's the poor uh, management and investment that we've constantly had in our nation. We, we never yeah. really understood how to handle disorganization. And we still don't like our response is red flag laws, which is micromanaging people. Mm -hmm. How do you micromanage someone in their private home? You cannot. That's a limitation for our government. Yeah. It is completely stupid. And I don't. And it, all it does is it gives more power, especially for the federal government, to just say, "Here's how you should live," and that is not what America was based on. Yeah. Look. Let's be honest. I mean, they're never going to. And and I say it's at least I I don't think within our lifetime they're ever going to take our weapons. No, I mean I think you'll see another civil war before that happens. Sure. Um, but but yeah, they're they're the the problem. I think people have finally woken up, and and are seeing behind uh, are seeing past the Democrat talking points about the guns being the problem. I don't think anybody buys that anymore. No, um, I don't see yeah, that the, that excuse. You can tell doesn't work anymore. Was it we have like I think it was like three hundred million. No, no, like four or five. I don't know, like. I think like 200, 300 million guns in the United States. And we're only dealing with these kind of shootings every once in yeah. a while. Because now, again, in other countries where gun ownership is 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 just as uh, you know prevalent, I mean, they don't have these kind of problems. Mm -hmm. yes. So yes, it is an American cultural problem. 
Um, in, in fact, that is an American cultural problem, whereas racism is not uniquely an American cultural yes. problem. You know, but of course they 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 want to make it look like it is. Okay, so we're having a lot of communications on the on the thread. Uh, uh, Wicker says mili uh, the military uses pistols, shotguns, and common rifles. Are they military grade weapons of war? Also. Um, who is it? Kimberly, but then, you Kimberly know, wait, wait, let me finish up. Kimberly Davis says, uh, uh, what is an assault weapon? A, uh, a, a, a SUV is her version of an assault weapon. <laughs> That's Kimberly's assault weapon. <laughs> Not only, uh, so we were talking about the mental health, uh, FYI, the army. I never, why are people calling me in the middle of the podcast? They should know better. Uh, the culture can be more powerful than, and then the social controls like laws and the judicial system is what you talked about already. Mm -hmm. And then Fred talks about how he's a doctor, which he's, I said, prove it. And he says, call F call USF. So I'll have to do that on my own time. What? <laughs> what? Wait, wait, what? So Fred, a gentleman on the, on the thread says that he's a doctor and I was like, prove it. He's a doctor. He anthropology. Is, huh? Yeah. He is. Oh, anthropology. anthropology. Oh, okay. They're just, they're just joking around. It's like people okay. that study rocks. Oh. <laughs> uh, did anyone point out that 10 years assault, that the 10 year assault weapon ban enacted in 1994 had no measurable effects on the reduction of gun violence. Uh, been there, done that. Guess attempting to spawn don't last long. See, Fred's a doctor of anthropology where I find myself to be more of a doctor of like restoration hardware. <laughs> you know, that's a little bit more like my, that's my, my ballpark. I'm a doctor of, um, Bouginess, bouginess, <laughs> just across the board, just bouginess across the board. Kind of. Oh, look, see the alarm yeah. already sent off, so it's it's telling me to stop. <laughs> like, give me a good restaurant. I can give you a good quote. Like the things like that. Just the things well, that matter. Well, one thing about when people are like, well, we shouldn't have guns in this nation. I'm going, well, look at Venezuela. Look what happened right. when they tried to uh, up revolt, and uh, guess what? Their government used the military to against people Australia not, no I'm not saying our I mean, military will more turn recent against that's us. a more recent example yeah. Australia. I mean look at the ridiculousness yeah. that they came up with during COVID you know the absurdity they never would have gotten away with that if they'd had an armed people were getting ripped out of churches it things just got ridiculous in yep. Australia and New Zealand yeah. and again these are just two island nations like they can control like population movements in those countries but you realized very quickly how free so what that one movie, the, the TV show, The Newsroom, where like the first episode they talk about uh, who's really free. And um. the guy talks about how like, oh, New Zealand's free, France is free, everything's so free. No, it's not. It's not oh, equality. Yeah. It is not the same freedom that we All you have to do is wait till something goes down <laughs> yep. and you realize yep. real quick how much freedom you have. Canada, the government was was pressuring banks to like to kick <laughs> people off the system because they were they were protesting in the uh, for the truckers yeah. in the mm -hmm. capital. And you're like, Really, a government has the right to kick people off of the financial system, and the, yeah, in Canada you do. And you're like, oh, this is crazy. Well, and again, going back to saying the quiet part out loud, you know, and Trudeau basically coming out and act literally yeah. saying that you do not have the right to, to Correct. defend yourself. Correct. It's insane. All right. Well, thank you everybody for watching the Yard Sign, the most important relevant podcast in politics. And Evil David Cabrera, Doctor Leo Jinko, uh, assistant professor at the University of Tampa, our guest today. We appreciate An actual you doctor. for watching. <laughs> 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 We've got uh, Nebel, who's uh, a doctor of Home Depot. I'm a doctor of, uh, um, I don't know. I've been to uh, Home I was Depot trying to, once. I was trying to build a, a, a <laughs> joke the there. only reason why. I, I was trying to build the plane as it was flying, you know, with the, with the joke there. But Just it didn't stick to cocaine. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's twice in one show. You're the one that brought it up the first time. <laughs>
All right. We appreciate you listening, watching the show, whenever, wherever you may be doing. So don't forget the audio portion of our show. Huge following there. We love all of our audio listeners. Be sure to share, leave us a review, um, yeah, and, uh, and, and tell people about, uh, the, the podcast as we get closer to the midterms. Uh, we've got a very exciting guest, uh, that I'm going to be confirming here, uh, very shortly. We've got a soft confirmation for next Monday, looking for a hard confirmation. And once we get that, then, uh, we'll be promoting it. But, uh, it's uh, somebody we talk about often on the show and it is a very, and it is part of a very important uh, race in this uh, midterm election. And so hopefully she'll be joining us next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, uh, we have Dr. Jenko on the show. And I know one of the things that you personally wanted to kind of bring to light, uh, because again, oftentimes, um, you know, it's some, the most important stories, you know, just get forgotten about, uh, because, the, the news cycle and our attention span. I mean, you, you can blame it on any number of things. And one of the things it was what a year or two years ago, the, the piney point, uh, one year ago. Okay. So, you know, which again, I mean, in, in COVID years, I mean, it seems like it was yeah. like <laughs> more like five years ago. It's true. And, and, and so piney point, if you could kind of give us a, a, a quick kind of recap of what happened and then we can get into kind of where things are today. So the issue with piney point was one of their reservoirs broke. Um, and what happened about 215 million gallons of polluted water was dumped into And this bay. is a company that does what? Um, I, I believe they do chemicals for, for, for fertilizer. So yeah. phosphorus and yes. so um, similar to like mosaic and, you know, yes. gotcha. And so over the years now, yeah, not a lot of people have focused on it, um, which surprises me because it's Tampa Bay. We want to mm -hmm. preserve our bay, especially with manatees and all that. Um, but there really hasn't been much action from the city. Now the state's trying to deal with it. And right now they're currently looking at uh, refilming the reservoirs so it doesn't break next time. But I haven't really seen any initiatives that would actually clean up the pollution that was in the water. Uh, I could be wrong, but no, there hasn't been any news on it, yeah. which shocks me. Uh, and that that's what really bothers me because we, there's upset events all the time with companies around pollution. Mm -hmm. um, and this is going to be seen as an upset if nothing is done because yes, they're looking to criminally charge it, but criminal, these criminal charges are nothing for cor corporations. Right. And they typically have budgets to deal with this sort of thing. Yes. And, and so, you know, uh, what, what I tell you will happen is, is that they're going to wait until there's either, either an, another type of environmental event and then be like, oh, we wonder if this is related, you know? So for example, red tide, yes. everybody wants to point the finger at red tide for, you know, for any little environmental thing that happens, you know, um, especially when red tide comes around, they'd be like, well, is it this, is it that, you know, everybody wants to try to, you know, play detective mm -hmm. into figuring out what's causing red tide. Despite the fact that, I mean, it, I believe, and please correct me. I mean, it is a naturally occurring event. Now, some believe that it's because of what we've done to the Okeechobee and our waterways down the state. Some believe it's because of pollution, maybe similar to Piney Point, that it, that it causes this. Um, but I mean, you've got multiple aquariums, marine aquarium mm -hmm. close to Piney Point being one of them. I mean, I mean, wouldn't it be known already if there were that simple of a, of a of a cause and effect? No. So the environment is such a complex uh, system that it's it's sort of like charging a corporation to go to jail. Who, who goes to jail? Um, it's way too complex. So 
um, there's an idea in philosophy, uh, especially what I study, that human ecology is not separate from nature, that all our actions play into the physical laws of nature. Um, And so what we do affects the environment, what the environment does will affect us uh, because we are a part of it. And because of that, it is so hard to determine where it starts. Now, we can do time series to figure it out. So a lot of people looked at when the sugarcane industry took over Okeechobee and the Everglades and how the filtration system changed um, over the years Mm -hmm. and saw like, well, after that, there was a rise in red tide. So, but again, relation wise, uh, it's more of a correlation association that we saw to, to, I mean, that's the thing. Nobody's truly been able to figure out the smoking gun for red tide. Exactly. And and people in the, in the thread are talking about actually saying that, uh, some types of red tide are a naturally occurring event. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem, I think, with the larger conversation. Because it has that, been happening for decades, if not yes. longer, centuries. Yes. Is, uh, I, is what I understand. I think it's the frequency of it that is, is increasing. Is increasing. And they weren't. Got it. What's, what's triggering in the environment that's causing more red tide? Because yeah. I remember living in Corpus Christi, Texas, and red tide was four times out of the year. Yeah, and it was like, okay, red tide, don't go to the beach, there's jellyfish all over, don't step on the jellyfish. Uh, But then after like a few days or so, it's good. But I believe it's a lot more than that now. Like Mm. 10, 12, like that's three times more. Well, and in Florida here, I mean, again, all all of our waterways are are connected, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's above or below ground, you know. And so, again, it makes it harder to kind of pinpoint you know, the, the, the source of the problem, but with Piney point, like you said, um, it's not so much, you know, pointing the finger and saying, Hey, you messed up here. You got to fix it. But, um, it seems to be the, the problem seems to be accountability and holding them accountable and making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. So a, a lot of it deals with, um, how do companies handle, uh, I was, what do they say? Uh, it's not pollution. Uh, that's not the correct term. It's uh, waste. I mean. Waste by byproducts. Yeah. Uh, from production, uh, because everything that we will do. We'll so like gypsum. Do. Gypsum. In the production of gypsum. Yes. You know you have the byproduct, which is like again here in Southern Hillsborough County, we have these mountains mm-hmm. that are not naturally occurring. Um, you know, but there you have these mountains that are created from the byproduct of gypsum. Yes, and it's like whenever you filter water, like where, where does all the waste go from that? Mm-hmm. Um, so there will always be byproduct. It's, it's going to be forever a law in how we do things. Um, so the problem is how do we protect the environment from uh, toxic and harmful waste without stifling business? Um, and there's many, many ways that people have talked about. The most popular one from academia side I can, I can contest is controlling business to the government, which I don't think that's appropriate. Um, I think it should come from more of a market, like a consumer base. Uh, it's like, cause I hate the idea that people, so I see market- more incentivization, I would say, you know, like, so again, we, we talked about mosaic or I mentioned yeah. mosaic. So mosaic again, you know, here I would say in Hillsborough County has a pretty positive, uh, reputation. Um, but again, a lot of what they're doing is excavation. Mm-hmm. You know, they do have a pretty severe environmental impact. You go out to um, Hardy County. I mean, they, they practically own most of the county. <laughs> um, they're excavating most of the county. They employ most of the county. 
Um, and so while around Hillsborough, you see, oh, they own this piece of land and they own this piece of land and it's preservation and conservation mm -hmm. and, and, you know, calling all these, you know, warm and fuzzies, you know, meanwhile, the, the, the dirty work's being done further inland where, where next to nobody lives. Yes. Um, and, 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 but to that point, I think if you create incentive incentives, you know, for them to kind of do that restoration work. You know, I think maybe, you know, would you say that that may be a better approach or? Yes, but the problem is, is like what, who should dictate those incentives? Right. Um, the government. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, I see the market as a machine and as anyone who's a mechanic, you, you can't fix a machine from the outside. You have yeah. to be inside it. And the government only operates on the outside of the machine. So it's better for consumers to say, hey, I'm not buying your product or I'm investing my money in this company over this because they're actually doing restoration work. If we can change the culture of how we consume products and what businesses we want to focus on, I believe companies who want to stay competitive will adjust to that. Right. But it's but some as we mentioned about the gun violence, because someone mentioned it, it's culture. Yeah. It is it is what we want as a people and as individuals of how that would affect how we do because the problem is is that we're seeing the emergence uh, of the esg scores yes um and and that's a, that's a pretty frightening proposition because you've got this kind of unelected you know this kind of un uh, uh, you know this this unappointed unelected body of people setting the standards global standards for what is acceptable from a company mm -hmm. in terms of um, how they govern themselves socially, environmentally, um, uh, and I forget what the other one was. Um, and and so, it, it again like leaving it like you said like you know who do you leave this up to you like how do you decide or do or do you leave it down to the community and then and leave the individual communities to decide? Well, I'm a big pr um, component on localism, I, like. The more, the more complexities, uh, the more power you give to more complex forms of government, the more alienated you are from affecting the things around you. Right. But this was in Manatee County, right? Yes. And, and so very rural, very industrial. Um, and you probably have a workforce that isn't very engaged in the political process mm -mm. because there's also a lot of immigrant labor. You know, and so again, like who who's left out to 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 make those decisions? I mean, they have you know the, the city of Bradenton, they have the county commission, um, but again, you know, it's it's you know, are are they maybe already too entrenched with these companies to be making the best decisions for the environment and the community? That's actually that's one of the big things for green criminologists that we have to uh, handle is that, the deals. I, and I think that might be a larger conversation that it. It, it cannot be just one aspect of society that's looking at this and figuring out a way to build something. It might it might need to be a partnership of all aspects mm -hmm. of of society to be able to figure something out when it comes to the, the, the commercial aspects of it, to the intellectual aspects of it, to even government and education. Like there's a, a lot of things. And then having representatives from the community itself that are not politicians get involved in building some kind of case study for it to be able to work forward. Uh, people on those on the comment section says potential um, 
potentially into a super fund, considering that the Bay is a natural resource, as some people are talking about it, that they will pay into a fund of large sums. People going back and forth on that aspects of it. Uh, the paper mills use their own byproducts to fuel their plants. It makes financial sense. Many industries are like that. Uh, create a market change, not political cultural pressure. Uh, companies have the ability to incentivize extremely, um, external costs and effectively the means of addressing their impact on the environment. So the, there's a lot. I, I think it's almost like the it's uh, um, all the above kind of mm -hmm. response. It can't just be the government. It needs to be the government and the people and companies to bring it all together. Well, that would also indicate the government giving power back to the people as well, Ooh. which the federal government does not want to do right now. Well, the Supreme Court well, just no did government. It. <laughs> no government that I know wants to do that. No, I mean, that's the purpose of the government is yeah. to take away the rights of the people. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Well, and with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, look, I, I appreciate the update, you know, yeah. and, and again, uh, as uh Kind of the 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 phrase uh, you know that I've kind of come up with is like the environment is our economy, you know. As a born and raised Floridian, I think mm -hmm. I don't think enough people realize that that our environment is our economy, and and there are you know we're seeing the emergence of more and more conservative leaning environmental organizations, um, and which is exciting because they are trying to find that balance between capitalism and and positive uh, business you know entrepreneurship and and business governance and in protecting the environment. Um, and, and I think that's, that's how, you know, through that consensus, I think, or through that compromises is, is how we find actual solutions. Yeah. Uh, because again, you're not going to stop, especially in this country, you're not going to stop corporations and companies doing what they do. Um, you know, again, unless you come down with a heavy handed, uh, heavy hand from the government, um, or nor do you want to, and then on the other side, I mean, again, the people have to live here and work here and we have to make, we, we kind of have to find middle ground for, for everything. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of stuff you can go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's, it's a true state. That's a very true statement. Yeah. This can go down a lot. And I think this is a good transition of when it comes to government, individuals and corporations taking accountability as is our next topic. John. Yeah. Which is uh, Elon Musk unfollowing Twitter. Quite literally, uh, you know, my uh, my good friend Elon Musk, uh, who I'm a big fan of, um, is now backing out of the Twitter deal, unfortunately, because I, I've been on Twitter since about 2007 and, uh, and has, has seen its demise um, or just kind of its plateau, really, because um, it's, you know, there's still a foundation there of users, but I mean, it's pretty much become not even an echo chamber. It's just kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of just like, it would be like blasting music like into the Grand Canyon. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's out there, you know, and it's creating noise, but nobody's listening. Um, <laughs> that's and, horrible. And, but that's what Twitter has become. It really has. I mean, it doesn't really drive traffic. Nobody's having conversations like these. I remember like actually talking to people on Twitter and really building a relationship that way first. And then you'd meet them like at a conference or a convention or, or, or even if you just happen to randomly be in their town or city. You uh, met people from Twitter? Oh yeah, absolutely. In early Twitter all the time. What, what year was this? Like I said, I've been in, on Twitter since 07. So, you know, you're talking about 08, Twitter 09, was 10. I was about to say, I was in college though. April, yeah, I, jo I joined Twitter in April of 2007. It must have been a baby website back then. <laughs> oh, there yeah. There were 12 you people. Yeah. No. 
like people talk about like how engaged like celebrities are now they mm-hmm. were far more engaged back then because there was hardly anybody on the platform yeah you know so i remember having political discussions with russell simmons quest love rob thomas from matchbox 20 nice you know like we would get into these political discussions i wish i'd screenshot I actually had a whole healthcare debate on Obamacare with Russell Simmons on DM. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, which is amazing. You know, and he's obviously here advocating for it and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, 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 uh, yeah. And it was just the fact that someone of that status, you know, was, was that engaging and that responsive and that, and that they, that these, again, these celebrities that we have elevated culturally onto a pedestal were so, uh available you know was was just it was crazy i mean again even early politicians were much more engaged now they have a team of people yeah that's running their twitter accounts they're, they're hardly ever the well, ones wasn't twitter's supposed to be in the response to facebook where facebook got too much and people just wanted to comment like it was yeah. just to comment nothing else right well and it was more about it was actually i think it was supposed to be more of like a micro journal Mm. You know, if it, early Twitter was more of a micro journal, like here's what I'm doing today, you know, oh, here's this, you know, place I found, or here's a, something I've been thinking about. It was very much a micro journal. Cause again, early on, you couldn't post po- pictures or anything. Mm. In fact, funny enough, <laughs> uh, um, I started a website, um, that was going to be a directory of hashtags. Oh, of course I realized pretty quickly I could never keep up with <laughs> Yeah, the amount of hashtags that were being created. I mean, even when the people f- started figuring out, but the hashtags were created basically to filter through the conversations. Mm. Um, and so you would search for the hashtags much like you do now. Of course, now they're typically hyperlinked. Um, but back then, that was the way that you actually also kept track of a conversation. And Twitter back then was chronological. You know, so to me, it was more like the ticker on the stock market. Yeah. Like it was like, it was like the pulse. It was like the true pulse of the country because it was like, what is everybody talking about right now? And, and they, and, and really honestly, where I think the beginning of, of the, not the demise, because it, I mean, it's still, it's still around, but the beginning of kind of what made Twitter so great, uh, kind of come to an end was really when they went into an algorithm, uh, for your newsfeed. Yes. When they, when they implemented it and, and it was no longer chronological, that's when they really started messing with the formula that made them popular. I think all social medias had the algorithm around the same time where they tried to create something like that. Because Facebook did something like, oh. Facebook was started it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it started following like, oh, you like this, so I'm going to give mm-hmm. you some more of that. I'm like, nah, just give me a, like a raw news feed. Yeah. Something that's just. And oftentimes the only way to find people were because you would see other people talking to those people. Mm. And so you just start following people because they're like, oh, okay, I see you're talking about, oh, I agree with what you said there. Let me follow you. You know, or celebrities, again, always had the upper hand. You know, you'd you'd come across, somebody would share something of theirs, you know. Um, retweets weren't a thing. You actually had to copy and then you had to paste the original tweet and you had to, and the whole retweet came from the fact that people would put RT before the pasted tweet. Um, uh, and so then you send have it less out characters to deal with. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this was back when it was what 70, 70 characters, seventy two characters. So Twitter was raw. That, those that we <laughs> lost onto the conversation because this became very boring very quickly. Yeah. I'm fascinated. Anyways, <laughs> your eyes lit up like Sunday morning. I was like, 
I can barely keep up. I'm what's doing, funny I'm is like emails right now from work. What's funny I'm is I can see myself. Keep on going. I can see myself in a few years, like explaining to my daughter like the history of social media. <laughs> you know, like like it's some folklore. It you is know, a folklore. It is. Remember the original Farmville? So, oh <laughs> my gosh, yes, I was on that. I was on that game. So it's going to be like this: the the internet wasn't even the, as wild as it is now compared to this generation of like them putting their ass and titty online. Like, the, you haven't been in chat uh, rooms, people. I, I, evidently not. So like, there's a there's a meme that talks about how like you see dad or grandpa in like the 50s and 40s in his uniform, like black and white picture, yeah, whatever. And then you have uh, his great great grandson like showing his ass on, on Instagram, <laughs> and it's like, and this look look here's a picture of grandpa, uh, yeah, well, not the right side of grandpa, but the back side of grandpa. No, it is really weird the dynamic because, for instance, I met. Uh, I met with someone recently who is in college, uh, who's working on a camp or just out of college working on a campaign. I'm sorry for him. And uh, <laughs> and then, you know, and so you have this immediate perception of who they are. Yes. Right. You know, and or assumptions really of who they are um, and carry themselves very well, very professional, this and that. And then I go and because you put your their phone number in your phone now all of a sudden they start coming up as recommended follows on all your social media platforms you know because you connect your 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 contacts oh, i do not do that i'm so afraid of putting my phone number <laughs> in these social media <laughs> accounts so i love now that apps are requiring to answer the question like do you want to have it connected to your apps at all yeah, times or do you just right. for this one yes. time or thing yeah and i'm like just for this one time every single time because i don't like right. the idea of it uh and real so quick, so wait, real quick so um coded bias is a interesting documentary that the algorithm on social media by fred he says it's on netflix and we yeah. should watch it oh well again the, the uh, well we'll get to that in a second but 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 what i was going to say is is that then you go into their social media accounts and you see like the insanity that some of these people are posting because they don't know any better. These are kids that, you know, they, they don't, they haven't understood the reaper, the professional repercussions of <laughs> what they're posting on their social media. That is true. Um, and especially for somebody who wants to play in politics, it's going to come up. Um, it's it's going to come yeah. up. If you're in a lace bra, it's going to come up. And I was, and you know, I was like, Oh, like it just really, really shocked me. But again, they don't know any better. Because this has been around their entire life. Yep. And their parents are using it. Yes. And so they think it's okay because their parents use it. I actually limited my uh, my activity when my parents went on it. Really? Yes. Because for me, it was my <laughs> escape. It was like, this is only for, uh, supposed to be for my friends and yeah. like people I'm going to be friendly with. And Why when is my, my aunt asking for me to friend request her? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like... And of course, my mother is like, one of those ah, people who have like a cartoon image instead of her actual face. Sure. And so I'm you, like, you said yes before you even read the name. <laughs> oh my gosh, you did, didn't you? No, See, no, no, no. It's just, it's just weird because it's like oh, the people online who are political ranters don't have a fit picture oh, of their right. face. Yes. Yeah. Or they change their name. Or, yeah. You know. So I'm like, oh, mom, she's she's so young. <laughs> it really is that kind of dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're so young to the game. They have no idea. I'm getting memes but from 10 years ago. From see, her. For, for me, I've always known I was going to be an ambassador like 30 years from now. And so I made sure I didn't have any ridiculousness on my social yeah. media. And so I've always known that. And you still see that even today. People that have really thought about becoming president or something like that or get into politics. Like they've known they wanted to be in politics since they were a child. Mm -hmm. They don't have the kind of exposure. Yeah, but see, the other side of this is also a problem because I know a guy, for instance, who is a financial planner, mm -hmm. okay? 
and I was, uh, he is a client of a client and I was trying to find a picture of him for a project I was working on and I'm like searching for this guy. And so typically if they don't provide me with a picture, I just go and I search for them online. Eventually I hit a social media account that has a decent picture of them. Right. But then I go, his LinkedIn account hasn't been updated in like two years. Um, his Facebook is been hacked or something cause it's all spam. His Twitter account is also about four or five years old with nothing and like with no updates. And so like now it's like, well, what's going on here? Right. Because like this guy's basically no current online presence. That's weird. Right. Oh, that's and that's what, and, and that's what I'm getting at is now the perception is, well, what's the deal with this guy? And why does he not have a current online presence? I could see you having like what maybe. Okay. So for me, I have one platform that I focus on, which is Facebook. And the reason why I have one is because my wife says I cannot handle multiples. And so that's the reason why I'm only you should on be Facebook. on LinkedIn. And I used to have a LinkedIn account. I think it's still active. I haven't really tried it, but I, honestly, I can't understand how people have like multiples. Like they have like five or six applications on their phones and they're constantly going through all these other things. I'm like, how do you function at night trying to go to sleep with all these things ringing? I've reached the burnout level to now I post very little anywhere. Mm. I think y'all are missing one component because um, I'm on all of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm single, so. That's what I was going to say. If you're single, you're probably on everything. Yeah. Well, now that we've, we've, but, but, but to, to, you know, what Dr. Fred was saying, it, it those, those documentaries Allegedly that have kind of Dr. pulled Fred. the curtain that have, that have pulled back the curtain on these social media platforms. Look, all it is, is heavy handed psychology. I mean, this is cultural stuff that's been known for decades, if not centuries, as to how our brains work, how we work culturally. You know, I mean, you look at New York, you know, New York is a perfect example of, 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 of the social dynamics that we now see online. People are going to gravitate towards that to which they are most comfortable. So, you know, if you were, uh, you know, if you were from China, you were probably going to try to live somewhere near Chinatown. You know, if you were from Jamaica, Queens, you were probably going to be, you know, from, you know, Latin America, you know, you were probably, if you were Harlem, African-American, right? Like those are just, that's, that's what we gravitate to. You see it in Miami, mm -hmm. the Cubans are in South Miami. You know, you see the, the Venezuelans aren't, uh, are in West Miami. You see the Colombians are in North Miami and South Broward. I mean, it's just, I think it's what we, what we do naturally, you know, in, 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 you know, again, going back through anthropology, it's just our, it's in our nature. Mm -hmm. I well, think it's in our DNA to find those people to whom we connect with the most. And, and as we have new interests, you know, like politics, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, like you, for instance, you know, you said, you know, that you were telling us kind of when you shifted from left to right, you know, so that starts to slowly kind of shift and rearrange kind of your social circles. Yes. Um, big time. And, and, and so again, like we're, we're no different now than we were 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's just a different platform that we're doing it on. Well, it's, it's interesting because so there's a scholar, Robert Sampson, he's really big in the social disorganization theory. And I mentioned the centric zone and the transition zone where you had the issue of culture, the violent culture there and how social media has exacerbated it. Well, it's because Sampson has found that people are now organizing their society around social media interests and like, so now it's no longer little Chinatown. It's where the hipsters are. Yeah. It's where all the rural areas are, the country area. 
And so it's, it's amazing how social media has like reshaped how we organize our society. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, yeah, because again, it, it's the reason why Facebook pushes groups, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, because they know that that's going to create more engagement. If we find more people uh, whom which we have more in common with, we're more likely to stay engaged on that platform. Yes. And so you see them pushing uh, again, because now that the kind of the cats out of the bag is to kind of all the psychological tricks they were pulling on people, you know, which may or may not have exacerbated the polarization of our political uh, politics. Um, and I would say that actually, I think it was one person, but I will remain hit since I know his name's a hot topic. <laughs> I will not say his name. Uh, -huh. uh, okay. So real quick. So, uh, Kimberly Davis says that she does more strategic, uh, posting and then she, Jokes about strategicry, uh, <laughs> which is what I love. Uh, so, uh, Fred, social media has uh, had an impact on language. We think in language. Language influences the way we see reality. Social media is playing a bigger role, a big role in our cultural environment. And he also talks about how there is generational preferences when it comes to social media platforms, and there oh, is yeah. already a mm. shift from TikTok favored by young Zers as older people, parents, are utilizing that platform as well. Yeah, and, then, and, again, and, and like you said, I mean, you know, it, it, once your parents get on a platform, it changes the way you use, yes. you use it, you know, and, and not for the positive or negative. It just is because, again, there are certain things you do and don't want them to see. Correct. Um, and, and so the, 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 the dynamics of this are incredibly interesting to me, especially given that, and this is what I was tying it back to in earlier in, the, in, in tonight's conversation, which is that because all of this technology comes so easy to basically anyone born after, I don't know, let's say 1980, Ugh. you know what I mean? Or maybe yeah. even a little earlier than that. I, but, I would say after 2000 in all honesty. So, yes, it but, is, it is, but it's you, created I mean, you this give shift. It a child a, 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 a iPad. IPad, iPad, and you see how quickly they figure out how to oh, yeah. arrange the settings, and it's very scary. Yeah. And it's almost to the point to where, and I know I've read these before, where the engineers are actually using it to where it, that's the goal is to it be so adaptability of individuals from any economic and social background. Yeah. So that's the point. But I, I don't fear it as others do. I think it's actually just another evolution. I, I think parenting needs to play in a role. That's, that's well, yeah, opinion. but the social the sociological impact that this is having is is what you just said there. That kid knows how to use that device better than the parent does. And, and, and so the dynamic is shifting because we used to learn every, everything from our parents yep. and that's no longer the case. Like now, if a kid wants to learn how to build a robot, you know, then he doesn't need to go ask his dad how to do it. He can just go uh, on YouTube. Yeah. He can just go on YouTube and learn how to do it. And so there is this structural change that's happening where we don't look to our elders anymore for the information that we're seeking or the advice or, you know, or, or, or just the, 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 the path, you know, of, of that, that we want to go in. Yeah, but that's because now we have this. But that's been happening since we were able to finally put the printing press where you no longer needed to go to an elder to get the knowledge that you wanted. You were able to just open a book. And this is just another. This is, no, this is totally different. I don't think it's as different as we really say it is. I mean, people were saying that the invention of our the, the mass circulation of newspapers were going to be the detriment of society because people were just reading. The I'm not saying it's going to be the downfall. I'm just saying that it's changing the child parent relationship. And, and I don't disagree with that, but I think society in general has always been moving to a different and more. Because now you version. see parents asking their kids to, Hey, can you help me with my computer? 
Can you help me with my iPad? Can you help me with my watch? So with my phone? that that is more. And there, there seems to be more of a reliance on the parent on the child. Yes. When it comes to certain things. I think it's more or less that parents. So it goes down back to learning and the eight, like there's a age at which you, you, the way you learn slows down, I yeah. think. Um, but it's also stubbornness in terms of adults of not sitting down and just learning learning yeah yeah um so i love my mother she she's great she doesn't know how to operate a dvd player so <laughs> well, i like that commercial where the ladies were posting the pictures on the wall yeah, yeah. and i'm like that's not how any of this works. i'm like mom just put in a dvd and just mess around with it just right. learn it and yeah. she goes why would i do that and i'm going <laughs> Do you want to watch the movie or not? Like, yes, then mess around right. and find yeah. out. <laughs> and so uh, going back to the parenting conversation, Kim Davis, Davis says, I have a contract with my kids that the phone that they have is mine and subject to oversight at all times. That's a good one. Uh, my brother-in-law is uh, actually about to institute if his daughter doesn't get things in order. Uh, uh, return to the flip phone. Nice. Oh, have you seen the the foldable flip phones yes. that are all touch? I have, yeah. and I think that's crazy. But could you imagine get, being given a razor now, at the flip phone now? That's like how do yeah. you function? Remember right. the rumors? I remember the psychics. Oh, I the had psychics. a psychic, and that was my that was my ish. <laughs> See, so I had the Nokia Sidekick knockoff. Uh, oh, which was which was actually it was just a it was like a half moon shaped phone oh and would slide no it wouldn't slide no. or anything but it had a little screen in the middle uh -huh. had a qwerty keyboard and that's why i got it because it was oh. one of the first phones with a qwerty keyboard oh. and i did not i refused to text anybody <laughs> until a qwerty keyboard came out on a phone um and it also and uh, the other thing i loved is that it had an fm radio built into it do you remember oh. when we used to get charged per text oh, yes thanks. oh yes and For they still do that in some countries 87 dollars later was the <laughs> bill that my parents got the first time i realized it and then i, I realized like my budget that i could do that's why i also did i didn't text i don't think i started texting until i always text rollover minutes yes no. i remember all, you couldn't call outside the state nope like, it was, yeah right it got real back in until, the day what was it Seven o'clock. Yes. Yep. It was yep. insane. <laughs> All right. What? Oh, oh yeah. 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 You had to wait until nine if you had one of the cheap plans. Got that. Got that good. Got that good credit. <laughs> Gosh. All right. On behalf of Evil David Cabrera and Doctor Jinko. Doctor. Uh, that's good. Doctor. 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 Wow. Um, <laughs> he got his the doctorate big, eventually. The Big Bang yeah. Theory? Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's the right. joke. I'm sorry, Mr. Wallowitz. Fred, that he couldn't get the joke. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, Leo, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. It was great to have you on. Um, you. Loved your insight. Uh, we'll definitely be having you back. Uh, again, Anibal David Cabrera, as always. Uh, we, again, are excited about a potential uh, guest for next week uh, that is uh, running for office. Uh, who we've been uh, working on uh, getting on the show for some time. So keep uh, an eye on our social media platforms for updates on that. Uh, but uh, don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, ring the bell if you're watching on YouTube, uh, and uh, check out the audio version of our podcast on your favorite social media platform over at the Tech Overlords at Google, Apple, Spotify, Audible, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, and Samsung podcast platforms. Uh, on behalf of Anibal, Dr. Leo, yours truly, Johnny Torres. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you back here next Monday night, 7 o'clock. Good night, everybody. Bam, 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 bam.